guys five movies this is one of your co-hosts chris gasberry this is frank pelican you are listening to episode 26 of the spin chagrin halfway point frank and last week's category was baby's day out so can you go ahead and please tell us what movie you chose for the category of baby's day out well so you already know the cat the movie because i red carded you so you yes. had to watch this movie with me not with me but you had to watch this movie this week Cafe, man Cafe. um so we're talking about the actual movie baby days baby's day out from uh, 1994 um stars joe Mantegna, uh joe pantaliano laura flynn boyle matthew glee fred thompson um I, I, I was choking on my whiskey already. Uh, um, already started. So, yeah, tell it us. is uh, the story of the titular Baby's Day Out. Baby, um, Baby Bank is a wealthy nine-month-old uh, whose parents are Bing Sr. and Lorraine, uh, played by Matthew Glaive and Laura Flynn Boyle. Um, Laura Flynn Boyle feels like her baby hasn't gotten enough publicity, um, as rich babies should. So instead of using the family's photographer, um, that's been in the family for generations, uh, she decides she wants to use this, um, up and coming photographer that's been featured on like the society page of the New York times a number of times. Um, so daddy bang, he relents and you find out that. The photographers have been kidnapped by these three criminals um, played by uh, Mantegna, Pantoliano, and um, Brian Haley, who I'm not super familiar with, um, playing uh, Eddie, the leader, and then Vico, who's like the muscle, and Norby, who's the Joe Pantoliano failure, I guess. I don't know. Like, there's really no reason for him to be, um, like, in the gangs, he doesn't really bring anything. Like, he's not the driver. He's not the muscle. He's not the brains just kind of the guy that like they can talk shit to yeah um so they beat up the photographers they go into the house they pretend that they're there to photograph the baby and they kidnap the baby and escape um so they send a ransom note saying that they want um five million dollars uh left in a like grocery bag in this alleyway and they'll give the baby back um so almost immediately you find out first of all early on that um cynthia nixon from sex in the city is the governess i guess of the baby um and she reads this book called baby's day out to the baby every every day it's the only thing that baby bing likes to hear baby bing sorry um so the criminals have a copy of this book they have the copy of this book and um the baby won't stop crying so they're reading to the baby uh so being good criminals they just completely stop paying attention to the one thing that um is going to earn them their money which is this child um and of course the child gets away so then the rest of the movie is a combination of bink's adventures in the city and the criminals attempts to wrangle um, this nine-month-old back and earn their, or, you know, get their, um, the ransom. Um, and then the efforts of uh, Bink's parents and law enforcement um, 
of which includes uh, Fred Thompson, who plays <clears throat> um, the FBI agent that's in charge of uh, like kind of leading the efforts to catch the kidnappers. <sighs> so it's a bunch of slapstick shit. Um, Basically from 15 minutes on until the hour and 30 minute mark is just one slapstick moment after another. Yeah. In essence, it's, I guess they watched a lot of Home Alone and were like, these are the things that we need to do. Um, John Hughes wrote Home Alone. Yeah. So he's basically just, yeah. I mean, even like visually speaking, oh, like yeah. not even just from like a writing perspective, like the shots of the kidnappers' faces as they go through different trials and tribulations. Um, sure. I texted you at one point early on watching this movie that hold on i gotta i gotta read it exactly because it's important uh watching this movie is an insult to being a human being um and by that i meant that like they say at one point that this child is two feet tall right so it's an i I have that dialogue written down yeah A, a, a toddler no one in this movie can ever see this two foot tall child crawling about their feet. Like there's maybe two adults that actually look at this child and recognize it as a child and try to do anything. And both times they kind of just fuck it up. So the one is this woman that's in charge of a daycare who brings baby bank back into the daycare. Um, I don't even remember the other one. One is an ape who's not even a person, but the ape recognizes the baby and protects him. Anyway, so there's a lot of like physical humor, like people getting hit in the nuts and Mm -hmm. people having shit dropped on their heads. It's it's really kind of like an elongated episode of um, Tom and Jerry is how I felt about it, Um, including the scene where the baby sits on a girder in a construction site and is then raised like through the air while the criminals are trying to use the elevator to get to the top so they can catch the baby. Um, There's a really horrific scene where the criminals catch the baby again and they're in the park and some cops pull up um, and the criminal's van is like illegally parked and the cops are like hey is that your van and joe mantegna has the baby on his lap like under a his sports coat and the baby gets joe mantegna's lighter out from his pocket and proceeds to roast his testicles Mm -hmm. well i'm sorry at first the baby is just like roping his testicles which is super uncomfortable because like the, it's like a baby's hand like in this man's crotch just like grabbing it and joe mantania making these faces right like if that noise makes any sense but that's exactly like what he's doing and then the baby gets the lighter and basically like lights joe mantania's genitals on fire yes and then the baby gets away um what's the problem so ultimately, uh, Cynthia Cynthia Nixon realizes that what Baby Bink is doing is just following all the different steps of Baby's Day Out. 
um, from the book. Like he's, oh, he went to the department store and then he went to the zoo. And oh, there's another part where there's a reporter talking about the baby being kidnapped. And the baby is at the reporter's feet and the reporter looks at the baby and just basically just kind of like, oh, I got to get this story. But the mm-hmm. criminals see the baby, but nobody else sees the baby. There's like a whole street full of people like watching this shit happen. And nobody bothers to like say, hey, here is a child at our feet. They just continue on. You're, are you looking for a logic here? Like, I mean, yeah, I don't right. know. I'm just saying, like, it's really upsetting <laughs> to me that. <laughs> Why is that so upsetting to you? Because, like, considering everything else in this movie. Okay. Because to me, like, the baby should just be like continuously getting away from people. Mm-hmm. And they're like trying to get him, but you know, he's like so slippery that they can't pin him down. And the baby's just kind of like, you know, like getting away from people. But it's that's not what happens, it's just nobody sees the baby. Like right. the baby doesn't exist. Right. Um right. So in the end, um, it's there. His name is it's like Bennington something Worthington or something like that. I guess is the name of the family. Uh, let's um, see. What is this? Uh, yeah, Bennington. Um, Bennington Austin Cotwell the fourth is Bink. Um, Jacob. Or hold on. And then oh, where is Matthew Clave? Bennington Austin Bing Cotwell the third is the father right doesn't even matter (laughs) so they eventually realize that what the baby's going to do is he's going to go to this like retired soldier's home i think is what it's called um but anyways where all these old people are yeah it's a vet's home yeah it's a and they're all singing to the baby and they walk in and there's their baby and they get them back yeah so the criminals are all like reflecting on how awful they are as, as kidnappers and how they just need to go like commit other crimes because um babies are too much for them yeah including the banks in, yeah. including the line um said by by joe mantania that three fully grown men versus 15 pounds of pink flesh with a mouth which i also found to be like kind of a horrific way to um <laughs> yeah to freeze things yeah uh so they're driving back and the baby keeps saying boo-boo because boo-boo is a baby's way to say book so laura flynn boyle is like he keeps saying boo-boo because he's looking up at this clock tower where the criminals were holding them and she's like he's saying boo-boo because his book is there and um fred thompson says uh i thought he was getting a new boo-boo and she's like, no, don't you understand? Like, that's where his boo-boo is. That's where the kidnappers are. Mm-hmm. So they go and they surround um, the three kidnappers and they take them, take them in and justice is served. And that's it, pretty much. I mean, like, we could go into the details of, like, other stuff that happens. Um, no, there's no need for that, for those. There's uh, something that is really small and it's probably, like, not even an important detail, but it made me laugh really hard was there's a construction worker wearing like perfectly like pressed guest jeans mm-hmm. at one point and i was like i'm like i noticed like, that that's like the most 90s shit ever mm-hmm. is this dude just got his guests on it really construction is. Site. Yeah. um 
the fucking the fucking I, I actually have a line written down here the baby is grabbing his balls what in the actual fuck um then Joe Mantegna says at one point babies crawling in traffic tend to draw attention and I was thinking like Joe you obviously are not watching the same movie right because nothing this baby is doing is drawing any attention right, right. Right. Even though it's the number one news story in New York that this baby is like being kidnapped by you. Um, my my the favorite my favorite line that I uh, end up having to like write down is during the climax of the movie at the fucking like twenty five minute skyscraper like scene, um, which that ending feels just very long. like the longest thing in the yes. world, and um, it's the final showdown, and Montaigne's character says this is my five foot ten inches of guile gut and grizzle versus your two and a half feet of goo goos gagas and giggles and then like immediately is like taken out like by like the crafty baby um like and like he's defeated like um but yeah because because baby don't fuck around no i will say baby a baby has ended up covering one of them in concrete one of them in mud and i can't remember um, there's a brush fire in my shorts actually. That's that's the one, <laughs> right? Like classy, right? Um, maintain your line. Uh huh. Um, look, this is an awful movie. Yeah. There's, I laughed out loud twice. I think. Um, one time on purpose. Well, not on purpose, but because like the movie did what it wanted to do, which is make me laugh out loud. Um, and that was during the scene with the ape um where the ape joe joe pants um has a broom handle and the baby's uh what's it called um uh what are those things called fucking things that farmers wear god damn yeah no they're not suspenders though they're overalls um, yeah coveralls he's got coveralls on overalls like his oshkosh bagosh and that's embarrassing i can't believe we couldn't remember that word um You're getting old it's fine it's true so the ape sees this the, the ape scene goes on for so long it's like yeah it does it's almost like a fucking uh like marx brothers skit the way that they do it because well, that's it's absolutely just like, what he's trying to do with a lot of these scenes yeah yeah. Because first it's the the burly guy has his hand smashed. Yes. And then Joe Pantoliano gets launched in the air by the um gorilla like hitting the broom handle and shooting him up. Mm-hmm. And th- this is what made me laugh. <laughs> He's up in the air for so long. Yeah. It's like yeah. it's like not even like he just like flies backwards, but he's like 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 flying in the air out of screen for I don't know, like 15 seconds at least. Yeah. And then Joe Mantegna tries to like get in on it and tries to get the baby. Um, but the gorilla uh, hits him and launches him across the room and he gets stuck in the bars of the monkey cage on mm-hmm. the other side and hangs there for like three minutes. Like the scene goes on for so long. Oh yeah, they're just talking to him like while he's like stuck there. Right, with, yeah. with, with I, I assume the bar of the monkey cage up his ass right because of the way that he's like flown into the yeah it's just completely ridiculous yeah um and as is everything in this movie sure so let me let me bring that up though okay so we're talking so much about like the slapstick like comedy in this and 
I'm I'm actually like a fairly big fan of like certain slapstick comedy, particularly like you mentioned Tom and Jerry. Tom and Jerry is my favorite cartoon. Like I love Tom and Jerry. Like I I I love like you know Tom getting his ass beat like all the time, like you know, um, and all that kind of stuff. And so it's like yeah, obviously it's like this is like the last twenty minutes or whatever, twenty five minutes of like Home Alone but it's done for an hour and 15 minutes almost. Yeah. And, and like, like it's almost like users trying to like make like an art out of like this kind of like kind of cartoonish slapstick humor. And I saw like, when I was like doing research that Ebert said that this, if this was like a baby Herman movie and it was a cartoon that he thinks that it might, it could have worked a lot better, but in live action, it doesn't. And And I think that's pretty apt. I mean, I think it would work much better because this is all very cartoonish. Like, you know, even the idea, and that's why I thought of it, is like uh, Eddie, like, stuck in the cage, you know, like that is a very cartoonish image. Um, And I I think that's probably right. Um, But it's just too much. It's just scene after scene after scene. And it's like you become desensitized to it. And it's just not very good slapstick. Like, I, I like sometimes i didn't know whether i was laughing because the movie wanted me to laugh or i was laughing because of how bad it was it's like yeah it's like very early on like um the 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 first kind of like big set pieces when baby bink uh escapes up onto the roof rooftops and there's this thing where like you know montaigne's character gets like knocked out from this like you know very again cartoonish piece of like you know like these little two by four type thing that's like you know the baby then crawls across to another rooftop and of course he gets hit like you know in the chin and then he gets hit in the head afterwards and then it's like they try to like carry eddie to the roof and they were oh we got to jump over and like you know and they and they jump and like you know of course like montaigne is like concussed and like he like just falls and he like falls and like basically like does a split on an air conditioner yes and i remember laughing and it's like, I honestly don't know if I can tell you, I don't think I laugh because it's good slapstick. Like it's, it was just absurd looking. Right. Like, you laugh because it's ridiculous. Right. And it's, it's and, um, and there's a number of ta- instances like that where like I l- legitimately laughed at this and it's like, I, I, I don't think I was laughing with it. No, you know? you're, you're definitely laughing at it. Yeah. Like, and um, there's a, there's a few times I laughed no it's no i'm still laughing. i was laughing with it at 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 the monkey part gotcha but also Um, i mean i have a predilection for monkeys yeah the the one time i legitimately laughed it's still not with it i don't think um is at the end uh after the criminals have been called or whatever fred thompson has like a line about like boo-boo and like he turns around and he winks at baby bink who's being held like in his mother's arms and he winks and like normally in a in a movie where it's like you know there's this like there's a wink like that it's like you go back to like the medium shot or the long shot of of the characters being winked at and there's a reaction there's a recognition and baby bink no sells it like there's just no reaction it's like fred thompson's like yeah like look at this reference like to to boo boo and um and the well, baby just is like looking off in the distance somewhere. That's the thing like, is that baby, baby baby Bink is the ultimate capitalist because he already got his boo boo back. You don't care. <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't need the humor of the plebes. He's got his boo boo. Right. Right. So yeah, the this 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 
the 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 idea of like I'm this is a comedy I'm supposed to laugh at it I don't think I was ever laughing with it it's 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 really like poor slapstick to me let me say this too that really like drove me nuts about this movie and it took me about like 35 minutes to realize it I don't know if I've ever seen another movie where the score never stops like (laughs) where every single second has the score playing over it like they never give you moments to have like swells and crescendos and the score never changes it's the same music all the time and it's constant i mean it really is like a like a looney tunes or a tom and jerry cartoon where it's always like that sound is somehow propelling the action and it's just like it's mind-numbing yeah and it was really really annoying to me so i obviously did not enjoy watching this movie Mm -hmm. um so about 30 minutes in i decided that i was gonna like create my own narrative for this movie so i could enjoy it more okay so we're gonna go we're, we're gonna talk about that narrative now and then we can just talk about the movie again in general if you feel like you need to okay so here's what i think I think that um, Matthew Glaive is really uh, Glenn Gullio, like years after The Wedding Singer, right? And okay. after, after Julia left him for Adam Sandler, he was depressed and he went out to the West Coast to find himself. And he ended up hooking up with Donna Hayward. And in order to, like, kind of get her away from the, whatever, the notoriety of what happened in Twin Peaks, you know, like the horror out there, um, he adopted his mother's maiden name, which is this Bennington Binkworth shit. Right. So he took her away from all that, and they moved out, and they had a kid together. Mm -hmm. So they hire Cynthia Nixon, and after the success after she helped them successfully rescue the baby they kind of like because she's british they sponsored her and they had her take education classes to get rid of her accent and once baby Binkin grew up she moved to new york and made friends with you know these sassy ladies out in new york and that's sex in the city right Uh uh-huh and so are you trying to create like a, like I got, a I'm, street I'm, 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 I'm okay. six degrees of, of Kevin Bacon in this movie. <laughs> okay. To make it make sense in like a grand cosmology. Uh-huh. uh-huh. So Joe Mantegna goes to jail, spends time in jail, then gets out and becomes a hitman where he dies. And that's a movie he was in called The Last Hitman. Joe Pantoliano spends time in jail, gets out, and you find out that the reason he was in Chicago is because he was in hiding because he's really Ralph Cifaretto. And so when he gets out of jail, he goes back to New Jersey and ends up getting killed by Tony Soprano. Hey, he's wearing he's wearing a wig in the Sopranos too, right? Yeah. Right. Because he had all that concrete it's, dumped mm-hmm. on him, he couldn't grow his hair back. Consistency. So Brian Healy, he feigns insanity to try and get out of his um his jail sentence and gets sent to jail. And then he's a patient in the mental hospital in Clean Slate with Dana Carvey. So that's what happened to all of them. So then Fred Thompson like finishes his stint in the FBI and retires and becomes a small town sheriff where he runs into Ethan Hawke and sinister. And then Neil Flynn um, gets fed up with the life of being a cop in New York city and Uh quits and moves to wherever the fuck scrubs is based and becomes a janitor at their hospital. And Anna Thompson, who plays the mother 
that gets falsely accused of kidnapping baby bing for like 30 seconds because some dude's extorting money from the cops and that's somehow okay um she loses her kids eventually because she's a drug addict and then moves to uh the city where the crow is and ends up falling in with the bad gang and getting killed or whatever happens to her and the crow so that's how baby's day out connects with all these different um right media franchises of the 90s and early 2000s and 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 john neville um after like running secret ops um uh and and trying to like stop people from like being aliens and stuff or like trying to like find aliens with molder and scully and shit like that like he ends up like just giving up and come butler right or maybe he was um maybe he's a butler first maybe he was maybe he was really there so no okay so that actually works with my um laura flynn boyle thing Mm. because he was assigned by the fbi to kind of stay with her just in case windham earl Mm. comes back there you go to get revenge and so once everything is like cleared up then he's able to go and like continue his career in the fbi it all works it does it actually makes it a much better movie if you think about it like that because you're not actually thinking about the movie sure so this is this is how i pass the time of watching baby's day out is by coming up with this like huge scenario i have it all written out by the way right with like connections and whatever right how long is this fucking movie 99 minutes i swear to god i thought this movie was like two and a half hours long yeah it's 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 like an hour and 30 hour hour and 34 um if you don't count the credits um but seriously this is a movie that could have been like like 55 minutes and it would have been enough right it could have been a eight minute episode of tom and jerry yes in many yeah, ways sure. and it didn't do any of those things right. and instead it's a colossal piece of shit i mean i i don't know people gene siskel defended this movie like gene yeah siskel was, was all about it huh? whatever i mean he's just being contrarian at that point i think some people actually like this movie and i think it's just because critics really don't know shit right like they honestly just have no idea and they're watching this the other thing too let me ask you we talked about this a little bit off air before the podcast started this movie costs 48 million dollars to make yeah where the hell is that budget is it john hughes it's not it's it's not cynthia mixon and glenn healy and fucking where glenn healy come from <laughs> what's 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 that dude's name brian haley whatever oh right you know fred thompson like that, none of these people are costing any maybe it's that like you have to pay for a score by the minute and because the score runs for 99 fucking minutes like there's just no choice but to pay all that money i mean like look there's like and i did not do any more googling beyond uh wikipedia um for this movie when i was watching it but um there's no production history for this movie but i mean i i wonder if things with i mean nah, so many things are done on the cheap i just wonder if like things with babies could sometimes take more shooting time maybe maybe but they had two babies and they and, were, and, they were Vern Troyer, and Vern Troyer doing doing stunt work yeah i don't know um this category is 100 percent my fault so whatever yeah, right um I knew that this movie was going to be the movie when I put it on there. I think I was just playing kind of Russian roulette in mm. a certain way with like, 
are we ever really going to have to do it? But then here we are doing it, and here we yeah. are talking about so, it. Yeah, and it's it's going to be the most anybody's ever probably talked about Baby's Day Out, like on a podcast. Like we're making history, and like yes. you're and you're connecting it to like you know every fucking movie that's ever been made. So and TV series and TV series, right? Um, because right, we got Scrubs, Sopranos, and Twin Peaks. What did you say about Haley? Like what what was his deal? He so he's in a Dana Car Dana Carvey vehicle. Um, called oh, Clean Slate, Clean right. Slate, yeah. Where he plays a mental patient in a hospital that didn't. Yeah, the only in. thing I know that guy from is he's in the last couple seasons of Wings. He he when um Thomas Hayden Church leaves is playing Lowell, he comes in and becomes like the the dumb Lowell character on the show, mm. the mechanic um in the in the never watched final seasons of Wings that I watched with my mom. So you know him from something else. Yeah. Um, he's in the taking of pelham one two three remake um but he plays a police chief and i couldn't quite think of a way to connect that mm. so it just had to be the have way that se- i have you seen that remake yeah we watched it together what no we didn't the taking of pelham one two three the remake we didn't watch it together no well huh. no i just watched it during covid for the first time really okay. yeah you got you got secret shit going on um you got mm. you got you got secret denzel watching going on <clears throat> no i pretty much like caught up on every denzel movie i've never seen during covid i, I never seen we before. watched it together no, i watched so. it with somebody so the what, the last thing i have to say about this movie is um and, and then i'm done with it like is the mother in this movie is just fucking despicable she's a despicable character um my Laura Flynn Boyle yeah like completely unsympathetic like throughout a lot the first the first time I groaned and I and I honestly didn't groan that much during this movie um like literally like make a like some sort of groaning noise the first time is like when the FBI agent when Fred Thompson first shows up and like she's like he's like i understand what you're feeling like you don't leave and she's like have you ever lost a child how would you know what it's like and i groan because it's like jesus could you think of a more like oh, this is exactly what that rich well, former that's what... twin peak socialite would say <laughs> right um but then there's a later scene where it's like she's talking to like you know they think they maybe found fucking bink and it's not bink and like she's and like the woman the, the, the woman mother, and the crow yeah yeah she she's like you know i hope you find i hope you find him like i, I my children are my life and i don't know what i would do if like you know any of them like pray you, you never know. find out well it's like like laura from Boyer turns around and says i hope you never have to feel this for your children's sake <laughs> what what is that response i mean she's like, threatening her I hope you never have to feel this for your children's sake. Like, not for your sake, when this woman's showing sympathy to Laura Flynn Boyle. Like, that I, like, I know how you feel. Like, I literally know how you feel. Like, if something like this happened, because I'm a mother. Like, you know, and it's like, for your children's sake. It's like, why not for her sake, too? Like, no, no n- nobody can ever know how Laura Flynn Boyle feels. Because it, like, oh my God. It, I mean, and you already mentioned like the stuff at the beginning of the movie about like the stuff about being in the paper and all that kind of shit. Like, I, it is just like a completely unsympathetic, like, uh, character and portrayal to me. Right. Um, and the funny uh, thing is, like, usually it would be the father character that would be in that mm-hmm. role. 
but um glenn glenn Gulia is like, like all about like hey like let's just use this old man that's always photographed my family because it'd be sweet right and she's like no husband yeah i mean like look, look he's 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 absent-minded and absent like you know like that's his like role really he's is wealthy like, right um you gotta pay for that delorean song honestly like one of the other things like compared to the mother is like i find the kidnappers in this not to be sympathetic in any way but it's like they're like it the first 15 minutes like kind of like established them as like kind of doofuses but like honestly not necessarily like none of them are trying to hurt the baby no they just want to get their five million dollars right. done with it you know right it's like he keeps referring to it, what is like my money or whatever yeah. um like the baby like he just it doesn't care the baby's just a prop to get his money it's like and in fact like they're like trying to kind of take it seriously in terms of taking care of the baby a little bit like in the beginning right. I mean, actually you know like i mean change his diaper read him a story right you know make sure he joe, takes a nap like you know <laughs> joe panagano falls asleep yeah like, i can't have him cranky right like so like like who who am i rooting for in this movie like i, I guess i'm rooting for baby bink i guess no. right like no because no, he's an asshole too <laughs> because once you realize that he's sentient the entire time and is just trying to live out the fantasy of this book that he forces this like indentured servant to read to him every night and she hates the book i mean she's like <laughs> yeah oh well, this one again <laughs> right but you know she would what can she do she ain't got no choice because she's enslaved right is there a sequel to baby's day out i don't know who cares <laughs> well because the movie ends with like you know and i'm maybe it's a joke about sequels i don't know who oh baby knows. goes to china yeah 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 um <clears throat> I'm looking it up. I was looking up uh taking a Pelham one, two, three. There's a canceled video game. Mm. It was apparently really big in um India, so there's like three Indian Oh, it played in the biggest theater in India for over a year, I read. <laughs> like like it was massively popular and they made like a ton of like like kind of like uh remakes and sequels. There was a remake made the next year called <laughs> Sisindri. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's it's yeah, very popular. Um oh you can get Dunstan checks in and Baby's Day Out on DVD as a two-pack. Oh yeah, that's awesome. It should be it should be MXP2. Or right or Ed or whatever the fuck that terrible movie was called. So I don't think this is gonna take very long. So let's do this real quick. Let's talk about like uh, let me ask you this question how how did the guy who like was kind of like a voice of our generation in the 80s wrote all these movies that like gen xers like loved in the 80s become the dude right that like turns in the 90s into this kind of fool who like is doing like um I don't know curly sue and and not, that's not even a terrible movie it's just but it's like beethoven the first beethoven he writes um that's just characters in home alone too but dennis the menace miracle on 34th street i mean i can like, answer this question for you flubber it's an um, easy answer what is it john candy ruined him he's huh. all fine until he starts doing movies with john candy 
planes, trains, and automobiles. Uncle Buck. Right. Right. Everything's good until John Candy gets in his head. And then he suddenly thinks he's some kind of like comedic auteur. And he just can't like help himself. Like he's got to make these <laughs> fucking fart joke movies for the rest of his life. I mean, this kind of checks out because he does plane trains and automobiles and the very next movie is she's having a baby. Um, which is not a good movie. Great song in that trailer, though. Yes, um, sir. She's having a baby. Um, look, yeah. If you well, can't, well, if if you can't put a Spandau Ballet song or a Flock of Seagulls song in your movie, what what do you really have anymore? And like, he kind of lost it. Like, he, he couldn't like put Nirvana in the soundtrack. Like, he, that doesn't speak to him. So he's got to make some fucking shit ass pablum terrible poop comedy. Yeah, I saw this like quote from um, PJ O'Rourke um, on Wiki where he said that um, because they were talking about like where he stood politically and stuff like that. Use um, which apparently I guess he was like kind of like a Reagan conservative, and um, which I I wouldn't have taken necessarily from some of those '80s movies, mm-hmm. but um, but he says that um, PJ O'Rourke says family was the most conservative thing about john uh walking across the family room in your stocking feet and stepping on a lego was the fundamental building block of society to him and it's like that just doesn't to me it just doesn't jive like that sounds like the 90s version of john Hughes, but it doesn't necessarily to me sound like the the guy that was writing those movies in the 80s like it's it felt like there was something to say in the 80s and like in the 90s it's just like eh okay so what is he saying and listen i love 16 candles pretty in pink breakfast club all those movies fucking fantastic well a lot of it's about like youthful rebellion like you know a lot of it yeah Mm, ultimately it's about conformity it's about like pharisism it's about joining look ferris is the only one i actually care about about any of those movies so um that's like, probably the really one I care the least about. about. Isn't that weird? It is. It is. I mean, I, and I don't dislike Ferris Bueller's. It isn't even a movie I'm indifferent to. It's just you gotta, I like those you other movies. Had to fit that in real. No, quick. no, no. I enjoy watching <laughs> Ferris Bueller's Day Off. You put um, on a list, I'll happily watch it. It's been a long time since I've seen it. So, every single one of those movies, it's not about the upper class kids like coming to the realization that they need to treat the poor kids better or the popular kids coming to the realization they need to treat the unpopular kids better it's about everyone homogenizing right like everyone realizing that they can just be all the same thing and they'll be fine i mean there's no real rebellion there it's ultimately like that's true forming some like broken middle class basically so he's very much yeah that's true you're you're not yeah you're not wrong there with some of those movies, yeah. And Paris, I love those. Paris I mean, like that though. I love those movies. But like, Ducky is not the you know the hero of of um. Yeah, it's we've turned him into the hero after the fact to some degree. I mean, all, honestly, him. Ducky's kind of a creep. Yes. Um, any more than kind of a creep. Ducky's a fucking me too predator. He just doesn't have the wherewithal to actually do anything about it. That's true. Um, 
I don't, I don't know, man. Like I, it's, it's, it's a bad, it's a bad turn in a career. Though. It is. It's weird. I really kind of want to watch this. Um, don't you forget about me movie. Did you read about that? No. It's a 2009 documentary about four filmmakers who go in search of Hughes um, after he dropped out of the spotlight in 1994. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Obviously a reference to the Simple Minds. Sure. Song of um, the Breakfast Club. Um, yeah, maybe I'll watch that at some point, see if I can find it somewhere. Hmm. All right, so what's your chagrin score on this? It's an eight. Really? It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't like, look, I watched motherfucking Stonerville, okay? Like, I know what bad movies are. This is no Larry the Cable Guy calling Health Inspector either. I mean, it's, it's bad, and it's real questionable, but it's also not like... I think it's just wrong-headed in a lot of ways. Like I think it's yeah. No, I thought I think that's really I think that's really high. Oh, you think it's better than that? I don't think it's better than that. I'm just see Dude, the baby may, touches maybe, Joe Mantegna's dick. <laughs> no, here's the thing: is like when when we talk about the chagrin scores, like how much pain kind of how much chagrin did you have? How much pain did you go through in watching this? And I think my, eight, I I I my chagrin like my like of watching this movie it's like a four or five like you know like Chris, i do invent whatever. an alternate timeline <laughs> of film history in order to watch this movie i i just sat there and just took it in like I, you don't watch you, you don't watch enough i don't know what to tell you and maybe you maybe it is tom and jerry because i didn't want to burst your bubble but i'm not a big fan of tom and jerry we've overall. talked about this before in the podcast that you're not a big fan of tom and jerry I think tom and jerry's okay but i think it's just very you know it's like because I remember asking you the same question. I don't remember the answer, just like I didn't know the answer then or remember the answer. Is what, what, what cartoons do you like growing up? When I was that age? Yeah. Mm. Yes, that age. I don't still watch well, comic Jerry cartoons on YouTube sometimes. Oh, you're fine. You're allowed to, you know, <laughs> whatever. We're all, we're all man children in our own ways. Um... I had to watch a lot of like real television with my parents when I was young. Mm-hmm. Not that I didn't watch cartoons, but my cartoons were mostly limited to Saturday morning cartoons. Mm, gotcha. So I was watching like the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon and um, the humanoids and whatever. And then when I was really like able to watch cartoons on a formative level, I was watching gi joe and transformers and the real ghostbusters and thundercats i mean like all so those you know you didn't ever watch like the funnies like looney tunes and shit like that i actually or... got really an- I-, I did but i got really annoyed because i guess i've just never enjoyed comedy so i have always wanted like mm-hmm. i like the stuff that was like action-packed and yeah you know you, you want some substance yeah <laughs> although i think that um fuck what is his name chuck uh shit the guy that created tom and jerry like the main artist of tom and jerry um one of the greatest like yeah. cartoonists ever i mean i think that the chuck jones yeah <clears throat> chuck jones sorry the animation in tom and jerry is amazing and very very much actually influential probably on the way that i like draw 
um, mm. cartoons and whatnot in a lot of ways, like, especially the way I draw, like, hands and bodies and stuff. Um, but you've seen one Tom and Jerry cartoon, you've seen them all. Like, it's the same fucking thing. Man, they're... It's there's, like I don't like I don't nah. like motherfucking Three Stooges, you know. I don't want to watch that. I don't want to watch nah. goddamn the Marx there, Brothers. There's different ones. There, there's different. There's okay. Different bits. So there's Tom has a bunch of other cats over to cause mischief. There's one one cartoon. Then there's oh well, there's there's the scared cousin, which is hysterical. But yeah, okay, go ahead. And then there's um the bulldog has. Tom has run afoul of the bulldog, but still is trying to get Jerry. But Jerry's using the bulldog to his advantage. Yeah. Sometimes with the bulldog by himself, and sometimes with the bulldog's child being yes. harassed. Yeah. Then there's Tom and Jerry are in Luke, some weird. Erasing the line in the sand is one of the best comedic bits of all time. Uh, I'll die on that hill. Like where it's like they're like Tom's all like cocky and like draws a line in the sand so the dog can't um, bite him and then like the like when Tom's not looking is distracted the dog like erases it and draws it closer. So let me ask you this question: You might not Mm -hmm. be able to do this. Do you have a favorite Tom and Jerry cartoon? Yeah, it's the um, yes, absolutely. It's the that actually happens because that always happens. Um, uh, But like with the with the line in the sand, but um. It is one where Tom starts playing like, oh, what is the what is the instrument that like it's it's a stand string. up bass? Yeah, stand up bass. Yeah. And he starts playing stand up bass, and like the the vibrations, like in the I guess the the bass, like is like causing Jerry like always oh, living in to, to bounce around, like, and fucking Tom's trying to woo another cat, and Tom sings. Is you is or is you is you ain't my baby. baby? My that's my favorite episode. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's a absolutely it's a good episode. Yeah, um, my favorite Tom and Jerry episode is the episode where they're in the basement, yes, um, having a war with each other, yep. and they have the um classic yep. uh, fireworks, mm-hmm. and they're causing like basically like having like World War Two like mm-hmm. play out on the floor of the basement. Like yes. I. I think that's a, a really good episode. Yeah, no, that's a great. I episode. do enjoy Tom and Jerry more than I enjoy Looney Tunes, mm-hmm. and I enjoy Looney Tunes to various degrees depending on which Looney Tune it is. Right. Like I despise um, Wiley Coyote and the Roadrunner. I think it's like the cheapest form yes. of humor ever. Agreed. Because it's just like not a fan watching yeah. someone get hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably like Foghorn Leghorn the best. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, because he just makes me well, laugh in general. Yeah, Falkhorn's hilarious. Yeah, I said, I said, like that. That stuff is <laughs> yeah. really funny to me mm-hmm. for some reason. Right. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm not a big fan of Bugs Bunny. Yeah, there's you, occasional. Like, you know Bugs, what? Bugs is just an asshole. Like, I mean, like uh, there's some things that are kind of funny, like depending on how dickish Elmer's being. Um, like there's some funny bits with Elmer, um, like getting his comeuppance, but um, but yeah, I, I oh, I also like I, I love Peppy Le Pew, yeah, you probably, not big... allowed, probably not allowed to love Peppy Le Pew anymore, yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of um, Daffy either, honestly. Although I really enjoyed Tiny Toon Adventures when it was on in the 90s mm-hmm. and and Animaniacs, um, I was more of a fan of the Disney shorts. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. the like the Disney Halloween um tape is something I watched 
oh my god i don't know a hundred times as a kid like with the dancing skeletons and shit yeah yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. i had that and i had um the disney headless horseman legend of sleepy hollow like on one tape and i would just watch them like over and over okay so let me put this to you then i think my final score is a four um yours an eight so if this let's take ebert's like thing had this been a cartoon do you think the chagrin would be as high no i think i I think i would actually a 99 minute cartoon um sure yeah that would be a 14 i could not watch this for 99 minutes in cartoon form and i love cartoons it would drive me nuts this is such a one note fucking movie oh my god yeah it would be still be too long um if it was if it was eight minutes long in a cartoon then it would be like a two or a three it'd be fine right you'd probably get more characterization out of the out of the um people in it and you would never have to look at laura flynn boyle's face what do you think that Joe Montaigne is thinking when he reads the script and David Mammoth's not returning my calls. I got to do something. <laughs> that, that's good. Yeah. That's, that's funny. Um, <laughs> I, I just don't know what anybody reads the script and they're thinking. I really don't. Like, is, is it just how much money are you offering me? Well, that's maybe that's why they had to spend $48 million on the fucking budget is like just to get somebody to, to do the fucking movie. Maybe. Yeah. Like, what's Joey Pants doing? For? I, I didn't even look that up. What's Joey Pants doing? Oh, I don't doing? know. He's, like, right before this. Not like, much, I don't think. Um, Let's see. Oh, that's hilarious. Um, In 91, he's doing Zandalee. Oh, right, I forgot he was in that. Which yeah. you which you discussed at length in a quick cage podcast um last year he's in the fugitive i mean he's just a oh yeah of... right yeah the fugitive um those bad boys right after this in congo right he's uncredited in congo okay. bound bands he's, he's pretty good in bound bounds a good movie so he just takes a lot of paycheck movies is mm-hmm. what he's doing yeah because sure. he's like doing like calendar girl and me and the kid and robot in the family yeah he's just because you always need a schlubby italian in any movie that you're gonna do Mm -hmm. like you can't have a movie without you can't have a movie set in a city without some schmuck italian guy whether he's a villain or just like a lovable goof yeah and joe pantaleano he plays that well that's that's his thing yeah have you just just out of curiosity because i forgot that he was in this too but um have you ever seen the movie three at three of hearts i don't think so no mm-hmm. oh, i need to find a way to make you watch that at some point that's um, sounds mean <laughs> okay now i'm gonna look yeah. it up though um so i saw I he saw, was in it i just didn't know what it was yeah i i saw that movie on like fucking like i don't know showtime or something i didn't see the entire thing but i saw most of it and oh it's kelly lynch and cheryl and finn and they're both laying on william yeah. baldwin's lap yep yep was it yeah. about like a fucking menage a trois or something it's a love triangle it is Definitely. yes yeah yeah um <clears throat> yeah it's 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 a very early 90s type movie um yeah 
Uh, yeah, I need to find a way to get you. This actually that. sounds a lot like that movie Threesome. I mean, but different. Sure. Yep. Yeah. Um, Which also the... has... Who's in that fucking movie? Oh, who is it? Threesome. Um, uh, that is Laura Flynn Boyle, Stephen yeah. Baldwin, and Josh Charles. Um, fucking Laura Flynn Boyle popping up all over the place. Um... <clears throat> And what's that Eric Stoltz movie from right around that time as well, like with the two couples? Do you know what I'm talking about? Eric Stoltz. All I can think of is Killing Zoe. Uh, Bodies Rest in Motion. Oh, okay, yeah. That's right around. Yeah, that's 93 as well. Yeah, uh, with him. Um, Three of Hearts got a cast, man. Yeah. Frank Ray Pirelli, Tony Amendola. Mm-hmm. Lynn Shay, yeah. <clears throat> Lynn Shay, man, she's uh, certainly coming to her own in the horror genre in the past like ten years, playing the creepy old bitches. And then Tawny Katane is in this movie too. Mm. Mm. So, Three of Hearts has a mixed review on Rotten Tomatoes of fifty three percent, and fucking um, Baby's Day Out was nineteen percent. I just want to point that out. All right, Baby's Day Out is a terrible movie. And it's very much caused me a lot of chagrin. <laughs> and anytime you make me watch a comedy, and I made myself watch this uh-huh. in more ways than one, because I both chose the movie <laughs> itself and the category, knowing it was going to be this movie. Uh huh. Um, it's just gonna, it's just gonna upset me. <laughs> okay. Um. All right. So let's hope this wheel, um, this week does not, um give you another comedy like category yeah, give you a break so you've used two red cards against me now right and we're halfway through the year it works and we're out. halfway through the year works out right and um did we ever um codify the idea that it's like one of the red cards like we have to do a a wash along was that like said on you, the podcast you said that we should do that okay i'm fine right. with it okay yeah, that'll be the one watch long of the um of of this year. Um, right. I have something in mind that was on the original list I sent you. Uh huh. Um, that I would definitely make you do a watch along to. So you better hope that category never comes up. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and um. a three-hour movie a three-hour movie um that is the category for the week (laughs) gosh fucking red card you already that's such a dickish move um if only I would have known, I would have saved. I wouldn't let you watch Baby's Day Out if I would have known you were going to enjoy it. Oh, I was definitely probably when I like made that wheel. I was probably drinking because it's like I'm pretty sure it was just a three hour movie with category, and then I all I could think in my head was the Gilligan's Island thing. Um, so I don't have to watch movie, two three-hour three movies, movie. right? No, no, no. Just no, no. one three-hour movie. Way, it's just one three-hour movie. Yes. It was just, I think I was just being 
stupid uh, three hour funny. movie right yeah yeah well that's actually really difficult because so you have to find yeah exactly like, three oh, hours long no 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 it has to be at least three hours long i think is the idea there it has to be over 180 minutes and that can include credits like it just needs to be a three-hour movie that you've never seen before Mm. let me see if there's a worst category why <laughs> why you gotta go worst like, I don't know. like this is this is like a wide open category for you man i've actually like, seen a lot of the on these lists a lot of the best movies that are over three hours long all right all right so all right, this list is already bullshit. <laughs> what, like a list you're looking at? Yeah. They got Kenneth Branagh's Hamlet as worse in three hours long. What? Um, I fucking love that movie. That's a great movie. Oh, they got The Irishman on there. Too bad I've already seen it. Mm. But they ain't wrong. And Pearl Harbor, but I've already seen that too. I've seen everything. Look, there's got to be, like, have you canceled Criterion yet? There's got to be tons of shit on Criterion that might be all right that's three hours long. No, I forgot I was going to cancel it. Thank you for reminding me. Right. So, you know how when you Google something, like, it gives you the top few results, and then it also mm-hmm. says people also ask? Right. The first question that people also ask, can a movie be three hours long? <laughs> Hold on. So, do you think... <laughs> So do you think there's that many people that have never seen like a three hour movie and then like is sitting there looking at the runtime that's and then is like Googling like can a movie be three hours like like they're like watching something that is like unheard of? <laughs> Maybe <laughs> can a movie be three hours long. <clears throat> Maybe they're watching, maybe they're so used to watching like television that they watch their first Marvel movie and it's like two hours and 35 minutes right. and they get out and it's like a marathon and like, oh my God, can a movie be longer than that? And they, can a movie be three hours long? <laughs> and they're like, what, what are all these movies? Right. <laughs> right. Oh boy. Yeah, you probably have seen almost all the most popular ones, I would think. A lot of them. I was just looking. Yeah. I'm a I'm a marinate on it tonight and tomorrow, and sure. Um, maybe Thursday we'll I'll I'll try. This is the other problem too with the basic premise of the spin chagrin, mm-hmm. and this is where I've continuously fucked myself. I have to watch a three hour long movie in one sitting, right? Like, I can't take breaks or anything according right. to my own rules. And not that you would ever know if I broke my rules, but I try to be an honest man. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I can watch a three-hour movie in one sitting anymore. It better be something really fucking good. This is your opportunity, I think, right? Is try to find something that might actually be good and give, like, a zero chagrin score. Yeah. Um. Like here's here's a movie called The Sand Pebbles from 1966, directed by Robert Wise. Like you know, I'm pretty sure you haven't seen this. Steve McQueen's in it. Come on, Richard Crenna. 
I'm already bored. Richard Attenborough? Come on. What's the, what's the problem with that movie? <laughs> Everybody puts Cleopatra as the worst movie over three hours, but I've seen it. <clears throat> they're not right, but they're also not really wrong. That movie's not very good. It's not a very good movie. Yeah. It has 60% on Rotten Tomatoes, though. So, um, Yeah. I don't know, man. You have to figure it out. Three hour movie. <clears throat> Why is an Avatar Part Two out? I could just watch that. I know that's going to be over fucking three hours long. I I'm glad it's not. I I never watched the first Avatar. I never want to hear anything about Avatar ever. That's a never. documentary. I can't watch that. Why? Eh, who wants to talk about a documentary? <laughs> not me. I know. Here's Newsweek compiled a list of the twenty longest movies of all time. What's the longest movie you think you've ever watched? Because like when I was like actually doing a little bit of preliminary research um, on the idea of a three-hour movie the other night, um, I've watched. Um, Is it the human condition? I think it's called. It's a um, okay. That's a Japanese movie, right? I think I've like read about that before. Yeah, it's about um, the Japanese torturing the Chinese during World War Two. Mm. Um, that's pretty long. That's like I didn't watch that in one sitting though, so it wasn't like I mean I watched the whole thing, but it was like eight hours long. Hmm. Um, I would watch that actually. I wonder if that's anywhere. I never seen it. What is that? There's an Iceman cometh. Um, that is. I don't know where that's at. Here's a '73 version with Robert Ryan, Lee Marvin, Frederick March, and Jeff Bridges. Um, Iceman cometh. It's four hours long. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I've definitely watched movies. The dude that directed um, Drive My Car, if you're familiar, the one that was nominated for an Oscar mm-hmm. last year, he has a five-hour movie, mm. but I'm not going to watch that. Right. But one time. <laughs> oh, okay. So that is on Broadway HD. That's because it's, they actually filmed the fucking stage play. Um, I'd still like to watch that not that i don't exist we did um the top uh whatever the fucks um musicals of the 60s mm-hmm. i subscribed to amazon's musical channel yeah and um i watched a three and a half hour version of pirates of penzance but that wasn't a movie like right that it was just literally a yeah film it, play it's like right it's like hamilton right like yeah um yeah, no, I'll find something. All right. Cool. Um, I Now I want to, like, force you to do, like, a category of, like, well, no, that wouldn't make sense because you haven't seen some of them. I almost want, like, this, like, indie, like, like, alt-romance movies of the 90s to, like, to, like, talk about, like, all those, like, terrible movies. 
but we got to do cannibal movies first so yes we do um early next you know time. there's actually <clears throat> there's a really famous movie that's really long that i've never actually watched um so maybe i'll do that what like one of those like fucking 20 hour movies or something no 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 it's uh it's like three and a half hours long okay but it's by a famous director oh okay all right so any final oh um quickly what'd you think of dr strange um and the multiverse of madness then you want to give a quick review of that real quick wasn't necessary i wasn't wasn't impressed with it at all um you're making me say this because you want me to say some like controversial shit i don't think um there's a lot of criticism in that movie go ahead i don't know i don't don't criticism ever um i realized i don't like benedict cumberbatch whatever his Uh name is as as dr strange like when i was a kid i was really into dr strange and i read dr strange's comic for a long time like Mm -hmm. it was one of the ones i subscribed to alongside um when it would come out because it wasn't out for very long and one i would pick up back issues too um and i don't like his portrayal of strange um Mm -hmm. i just find him to be like way too secular and um condescending and to Mm -hmm. me that's like not dr strange dr strange is like the dude that's like i don't know like knee deep in like a pile of old uh-huh. books and not paying attention to right yes need even that yes that's right stop being a pervert um i know i wasn't particularly impressed with the special effects i thought the shumagorath fight was a cheap aping of the really much better starro fight in um what's it called uh suicide squad mm. um I didn't particularly care for the way that they characterized Wanda as a villain because I didn't think it was earned. Um, it didn't make any sense. And then her redemption also didn't make sense at the same time because it just like, yes, both things just seemed to happen just for the sake of happening. Yeah. yeah propelling a movie forward. And Dr. Strange has enough like villains especially villains that exist in the multiverse where you still could have told America Chavez's story mm-hmm. and had to be like more interesting than it was. Yeah. Um, I thought there were some decent set pieces to it and I liked overall the portrayals of the different members of the Illuminati. And I thought it was really cool to include that mm-hmm. um, in the movie. Um, yeah. Overall, just like nonplussed, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I saw it. It's one of the few movies I've seen in the theaters um, in years. And, um, yeah, I, I feel similar to you. I, I'm not as critical of Cumberbatch, I guess. Like, but I don't know Strange as a character that well. Um, but, yeah, pretty much everything else, I, I agree with you. I thought there were some good set pieces. I thought that um, – I, I will say that I think Sam Raimi is, like, a mark for himself and his, um, his visual shtick like he has to include in every fucking thing he does and um so like the 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 horror elements of like wanda like stalking through like the facility and whatever universe that is um was just like okay fine like you want to get your evil dead bullshit in here like and look i 
like I love Evil Dead and Evil Dead too, but it's like like the guy is just a mark for himself, and it didn't feel necessarily like it fit right into the story. Well, and what really bothered me is that so Wanda's a pretty the Scarlet Witch is a pretty um, common character for writers to use when they want to reset um storylines or they want to reset continuity mm-hmm. and that's happened a few times because of her like um reality shaping powers yeah yeah but it makes like if you're going to use the x-men it makes more sense to have her available and not like on the sidelines which i guess whoever's really ever out of out of action in like a comic book movie but it also like things like her being in control of Shumagorath, like that doesn't make any sense. That's just a cheap way to use a really good Doctor Strange villain for, for no reason. Like at least Dormammu was the ultimate evil in the first Doctor Strange movie. But then to take this guy who's basically an elder god in Shumagorath and just sort of like waste him for what a cheap pop when you see his eyeball like get pulled out or something, right? right. You know, yeah. So you can be edgy and like horrify your oh look how edgy Sam Raimi is he's right king of horror <laughs> motherfucker um I don't know it just doesn't make any sense I, I just yeah. I thought it was too long I thought it was way too convoluted at points and I thought that the convoluted parts were only confusing in order to stretch out the runtime and not really to like make the movie any better yeah agreed and I thought there was like. <laughs> some like just stupid plot stuff that <clears throat> somebody like ryan from pitch meetings can just have a field day with i don't think i've watched his video on that yeah i would like to yet. watch it now but um <clears throat> but yeah like like the idea that like the entire story is like um america can't use her powers like until she like, can until she can because he says like you know hey use your powers and she's like but i don't know how and he's like don't you and she's like right i just do this thing that's like my dream where i can fly because i um take a step up and then take another step up and just never come down you know it doesn't work in real life and neither would that what's else what i was gonna say about it I had one more point I was going to make, but I don't remember what it was. I guess it doesn't really matter. I don't know. Looking forward to Love and Thunder. Oh, I really liked Krasinski and his brief role as um, Reed Richards. I think that's really good casting. I think he has that world-weary, like, interested but tired affectation that I always feel that Reed Richards has by being the smartest dude in the room. You know you're talking, but you're not talking. Chris is like, oh, I accidentally goes. like hit the mute button. Um, yeah, he's getting the second second round of shit for that character. Like he was he was criticized when it first came out, and for some reason, I guess because it came up on Disney Plus, like he it's like there's a second round of criticism of him playing that role. Um, I don't get it. Like, who knows um, what it is? Like it's. I, I don't understand the world like anymore i thought it was a good performance like and i'm interested if he ends up playing reed richards in general seeing how that goes um i think it's good casting 
in general, but, um, you know, our former president is like, you know, trying to lunge at secret service officers and drive cars from the back seat. So, um, I don't know. I don't know, I don't know that story. That's <laughs> sounds funny though. <laughs> um, horrifyingly so, funny. Yeah. Right. Um, the, but yeah, I, I thought strange was strange too, was like disappointing. Like overall, um, it just, didn't really hold up as it was a short runtime for most Marvel movies, like just a little under two hours or something like that. Um, but yeah, it didn't even warrant the two hours to me. Like it just felt like elongated unnecessarily, as you said. If I didn't look at the runtime, I would have told you that movie was two hours and forty-five minutes long. Right? Yeah. No, it's 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 like two hours. It's like I Baby's think. Day Out. Right. Right. Um, yeah, the only other update just to, just to, for anyone who's actually keeping track, and at this point it might be only Heaster because it's like Heaster comedies, is um, I finished Vice Principles. Um, if you like um, Danny McBride type comedies, um, Vice Principles is really good. Um, uh, not only because of McBride and his stuff, but um, oh, Jesus. Why am I forgetting his name? Shane from The Shield. Oh, Walter Goggins. Walter Goggins, Wal- yeah. Walter Walton Goggins. Oh, yeah, Walton Goggins, yeah. Like, um, Walt Goggins absolutely, like, destroys that show. Absolutely hilarious. Um, best part of the entire entire series. But, um, but yeah, I mentioned it, like, three times now. so Or two times, so I'll figure I'd finish it up. But, yeah, I finished that last night. Really good. But, all right. Anything else you want to talk about this week, Frank? I don't think so. Okay cool i have right. actually compiled um more of my list of uh movies for the podcast that'll be replacing this one next year. man you're really <laughs> you're really trying to get past the special grand arch <laughs> you're starting to really regret this concept a little bit aren't you like you're, you're like working ahead like fucking like six months like <laughs> the three hour thing is really hurting me uh, i'm glad that frankie's gone um this weekend because it means that i can just like if i need to just stay in bed on saturday and watch a movie for three hours i can just do it and it's fine i don't have to feel like i have to get up for any reason right yeah all right but yeah that's it i got nothing okay thank you for listening everybody i hope this is like the record i really do hope and i'll never research it but i hope this is the record for the most anybody talked about baby's day out like which i think we spent about 45 minutes at least on baby's day out like and it's a long time for, and, and the jace topics like john Hughes and stuff like that so all right thank you for listening everybody have a good week deuces